Kilda and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. Um, it's episode 72 and um, it feels it feels overdue. I'm just so happy to be talking to um, Sinead Overby. Um, I've been dying to talk to her for the podcast for ages and we finally got to do that a couple of weeks ago. Um, I am grateful to Sinead for a lot of things. Um, she's an amazing writer, um, she's an amazing advocate and she does amazing work supporting and strengthening communities around publishing projects like Stasis Journal and um, Te Rito O Te Harakiki which is a collection of writing for um, Ihu Mato. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm always grateful um, that Sinead is around and um, I'm extremely grateful um, at the moment that um, she recommended this amazing book for us to talk about. Um, I think I probably would have missed it. Um, I think I sort of thought, oh, that's that book and I'll get to it sooner or later. But Sinead um, contacted me when we were talking about doing the podcast and um, was just like, you have to read this urgently. So I did. I read Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo um, and I think it's one of the most startling and magnificent books I've ever read and I really enjoyed talking to Sinead about it. Um, yeah, it, it, this has been one of my favourite podcasts. I love them all but this one was very cool. Um, and yeah, so you can read Sinead's work in Pantograph Punch um, on Starling and also there's a fantastic um, Radio New Zealand um version of one of her stories as well as lots of other places um Sinead Overby is amazing so yeah I hope you enjoy this podcast and thanks heaps for listening that's such a weird feeling okay we're recording okay let us start um hello how are you Sinead I'm very good how are you I'm very good too, thank you. Um, it's always I always find the start book a bit a bit weird. I'm yeah, I haven't quite worked out how to do it properly yet. Um, I am very excited to be talking to you today, and I'm very grateful to you um, because about would have been about a week ago, you recommended this astounding book for us to talk to talk about, and I am just so grateful because I think I might have missed it. You know, like I think. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think I may have missed it and I'm very grateful that I didn't. And I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about why you picked it up. Like, can you remember, yeah, like what made you want to read it? Um, I think that like it got recommended to me by a lot of people, but generally I'm, I don't really just go and read a book because people recommend it. In fact, I do the opposite mostly. Like if someone recommends a book, I just will, I don't know what why but I refuse to read it um but then one of my friends mentioned like it's it's kind of a gay book as well and it's you know it's about a woman of color and I was like oh I should I should be reading that um and so I yeah got the audiobook which I thought would be a good like quarantine um experience but also because it co-won the man booker um so I knew that it was going to be good and sometimes you just want to read something good um but I think it's I think it's really exciting that it won like and when I read it, I was like, this is, this is really cool because it's not, like, it's really, really quite comparatively easy to read. And it's cool to think that the kinds of people that would read The Man Booker are now reading this book. And it's like, yeah, I love, so I, I both through getting recommended it and um, through it just winning this prize. Yeah, I think, I feel the same way. Like, I, um, I'm often like that about 
books that are recommended to me they often I think that's what I mean when I say I might have missed it like I I might have um, I'm um, my friend once called me a contrarian and I think that might be true you know but yeah I totally I am just so grateful that you recommended it and like I just thinking about it in the sort of context of the man booker I was thinking last night um, when I was listening to it you know just there must be more queer people of color folk of working class you know there must be more of those people in this one book than every single booker shortlisted person in the history of the booker it's just incredible yeah yeah I thought that was that was a quite exciting to me um and I think that you know having read it I'm like yeah this is you know it's just so rich with different stories so um I'm really really grateful that I finally read it too yeah it's so great and I think um like that's what I was wondering I was wondering um like I think that the thing that pushed me over was you explaining that you know it was a queer book as well as um you know a contemporary kind of fictive book as well that kind of pushed me over the edge but I'm wondering how would you describe it to someone who hasn't read it like how I I I think I wrote in this question like what is the book about but I wonder if that's less useful than explaining to people what the book is like. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. I think I, I like, I think I might probably describe it as like a genealogy. I'm kind of obsessed with the way that it's written like that. So that's like this, it's a story of four women of color and a, another just person of color, non-binary person of color. Um, and it's just kind of about like their whole lives, the lives of 12 different people, and also then how they, I guess, like weave together or fit together in some way. So yeah, I just, I like, it's kind of like a map of relationships. I guess that's what it's about to me. It's about lots of things, but that's kind of the structure of it. Yeah, I just kept thinking about how incredibly clever, um, yet how incredibly, um, organic the structure is like it just it feels like it's a dumb way to say it but it feels like a flower opening and opening and opening you know what I mean like it's like and it's just it is like the swirling kind of I, I was wondering also if you could talk a little bit about time in the book you know like it feels so clever because every woman in it I think could be living now like even the 93 year old um that's Hattie, eh? Like, and I just wonder, you know, like how it does get that circular sense of time rather than a linear sense of time. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of obsessed with time at the moment. So, um, and I think it's really cool because you, you meet these characters at a certain point in their lives. And then I think the really special thing about this book is that you spend significantly long amount of time with them to really like, then start to travel through their past, um, which happens like very, very fluidly. And so you build up an idea of like who this person is quite quickly. And then they go deeper and deeper into everything that they've ever lived through. Um, and that's just like incredibly rich. And then you're right about it being like kind of, I don't know, like timeless. It's like they could, they could all be alive now. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I think, um, this is the thing, like, I think this is, I don't, I, I never have much interesting to say, but I think that this is the thing that interests me the most about this book is that it feels like 
such an antidote to tokenism you know like um you know there is so much experience available in the book you know like there is so much going on that um experiences that if they were by themselves might be seen in a particular way are in amongst these other experiences like um i'm just thinking i was listening to a bit um the other day where i think hattie kind of says some things about her um granddaughters oh grand grand sibling grand grand persons um you know like non-binary um you know like and and you sort of think whoa if that was one character in a novel of you know white people or middle class people you know that 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 sort of thought would be perhaps a little problematic but because it sits in this polyphonic kind of mm -hmm. uh, yeah I don't know but do you have any thoughts about that yeah I thought that was really interesting because I mean I think the book is also about multiple having multiple perspectives on everything like even things like racism and feminism and um age as well like what it is to be queer as well what it is to be straight like it's it's got multiple perspectives about everything and I thought that that part that you mentioned about Hattie like in her like perspective on was that Morgan or oh, that on yeah on the grandchild um was really interesting and it kind of it felt weirdly more like an authentic fleeting thought that this woman of a particular generation would have and because it came later in the book um I think you already get the sense of what the author believes like whether or not everything in there is what she believes but you already get a sense of dialogue between all of the characters that you it would kind of be remiss of her to include you know a tiny bit of prejudice in the book because that's just adding to the richness of or the fabric of this real real world where you have real people thinking different things so I really like that I guess she's avoided tokenism because she's representing the diversity of thought from all of these women who might, you know, in mainstream media be represented in exactly the same way or like have exactly the same character arc, but she's actually gone real deep into their heads and then kind of, yeah, they all like disagree on things as well as agree on certain things. Um, yeah. And I think it's really important that there is that within the book. Yeah, I just, I think that was one of the things that I just found so profound. Like there's, um, there's a teacher that helps out um, one of the women. And when we first meet her, she seems like a slightly problematic sort of um, person. And then there's that thing where we get to then see what her life's been like. And suddenly there's this compassion or this understanding. And that's another thing about how time operates in the book is that I felt like I was constantly being asked to reassess any opinions I had early on. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was quite incredible as well. Um, yeah, just, just, in, just quite amazing to give me a chance to um, reassess character and just, you know, yet again, just um, get rid of any idea that all experience was similar and some yeah. of the communities that it talks about. And I think that also because, I mean, like in real life, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't compare this book to real life so much because it just feels so real, but like, you know, you meet, you, or you have people close to you or um, who, who everyone has a different opinion about everything. And so it felt really, um, yeah, just kind of quite real that 
it was like reassessing my opinion and yeah that teacher when we first met her I was like mm, I don't know if I'm not I'm not I don't know if I'm gonna like her or agree with her because she's quite prejudiced um so like lesbian best friend but then the more that you learn about her the more you're like oh she's just a specific human with a specific set of experiences um that has led her to you know feeling this way or like thinking these things and you can kind of understand that more which I think you know that empathy that comes through for every single character is very strong um, I don't even know how she did it. <laughs> I, I That's what I was just thinking as you were talking. Like, I was thinking that um, I have enough trouble imagining myself into, like, three or four people. And somehow she has just imagined herself fully into mm-hmm. this incredible cast. Like, does it work out to be, is it 12 women? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, and, and, like, just that, I just thought that was incredible. I don't know. Like, um yeah I don't know like character is so tricky isn't it like um I don't know like how do you do you mind if we talk a little bit about how like you might come up with characters like are you a person who sort of you know um like imagines or do you make lists of things that that character you know character attributes or do you not think about it that much does it come a bit more naturally um I think when I'm writing um character I think that I if long I think I just start kind of writing and I think that every character that I write is loosely based on one or more people that I know like everyone's an amalgamation of some people that I've met in real life or know um but I think that once the characters start speaking like once you start doing dialogue then they kind of get a bit weird but I definitely don't um I don't really plan as much as I should <laughs> Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I really, really like your writing and I really like your characters. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe there's the perfect amount of planning. Although it is quite exciting because I guess this is one of those great things about writing, eh? Like, um, that, you know, like it, it, we, we can learn new and different ways of doing things, eh? Which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Which made me excited about this book because like this, just the way that it's put together feels so exciting like I was feeling a bit down on writing and again this is why I'm so grateful that you you know offered this book up it's such a great book I feel like I this is a great book in itself like um reading it is entertaining and exciting and thrilling and you know wonderful and you know does a great sort of mental tv show but I also think I'm wondering and I almost hate asking this question because I feel like we we put this on perhaps minority writers before we put it on, or, you know, writers of colour or queer writers. We often put it, this question on their work a lot more than we do sort of, um, you know, maybe white straight sort of writers. But I wonder about what fiction can do and, and like what it can do in this situation. And I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it like kind of ties in a bit to that tokenism thing. I don't know, like we often have conversations in the Maori writing community about um, stereotype, like writing a stereotype. And I feel like you can always run the risk of writing something that could be unintentionally hurtful. Um, and so, yeah, I think when you're, especially when you're part of a minority group, it's like um, if you write one narrative or one experience, then that can be weaponized against you. Like, I don't know, I was thinking about Once Were Warriors and I was thinking about how that um, kind of represented one specific experience of being Māori. 
and has since been used by the mainstream or been incorporated into the mainstream to suddenly represent a universal experience of being Māori, which doesn't actually exist because we're all extremely different. So I think like when I read this book, I think it just, I guess like, so in the, in the community of Māori writers, we're talking about how we have to build like a critical mass of different works by different people that tell different stories. But I feel like this book did it all in one book. Like, you know, it did, it's not waiting for anyone else to add anything to the conversation. It's writing that, you know, diversity, like true diversity in a diverse community, um, like into the book already. And so it's kind of like, I guess the book, I guess it just showed me how much fiction can hold and how much fiction can do and how much a novel, like it's very, very weighty and it's got a lot of detail and a lot of different, um, experiences in it but it just yeah kind of reminded me that you could actually just write everything into a book yourself I don't know it was really cool in that way I was like yeah yeah I mean that's that was something I thought about as well I just thought um yeah it just and and I think what I love about it and find interesting about it as well is that I often um I don't know how to put this but I often get a sense that there are gatekeepers from the mainstream, you know, there are gatekeepers from, um, you know, white, you know, straight kind of, I keep going back to that, but you know, there, there are gatekeepers and some work is allowed in and some work is not allowed in. And that's what I often think about Once Were Warriors. I feel like um, that was a narrative that helped the mainstream and therefore was sort of allowed in, you know, in this weird way. And I think that's what's so interesting about this book as a book winner. Um, and why I feel so, I felt even angrier about the way it turned out. Like, this just feels like, this just feels like it deserves, you know, light of itself. But in the same vein, I think it's really interesting that it has found its way into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You might not have any thoughts on that, but yeah. I think it's awesome that it's mainstream. Like, I have, I have so many friends that don't really read and they've all read this book and you know they all I don't I don't think any of those friends are gay and I there's a few of those friends are just like straight white cis men and they love the book and I love to sit them down and like ask them what they love about it because it feels so specific in an experience but then it's also just so universally loved um and I think it's really cool that it's made it into the mainstream for that reason because like it's exciting we need a yeah. different mainstream. <laughs> yeah, different mainstream. I like that. And yeah, and I think I think this is what I think um, is so incredible about it is that it really is. You see, that was something that surprised me as well. Is that it's it's a very cool read. You know, like there's some, you know, like there's some hot sex. There's some good music. There's some interesting lives. There's some, you know, like I just like weird cults and stuff. We yeah. love that. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, like there's just all this, you know, there's health spas, there's holidays. I mean, it just is just so um, appealing and the voice that it appears in is so appealing as well. You know, like, I don't know, which brings me to an interesting point. You um, recommended the audiobook to me as well. And I feel terrible because I did not jot down the 
um, the narrator, the person that read the audiobook, but I will um, put that in the introduction. But um, I just found the audiobook absolutely fantastic. Like, I am not a huge audiobook listener, but this was just, it really was quite magnificent. It was so, yeah, I totally agree. I hadn't read a an audiobook, well, read, listened to an audiobook in a long time. Um, and yeah, I think it's just so well read. I want to try find the name. Okay, you do that. I'll talk a bit. Yeah, and I just, the other thing that I loved about the audiobook as well was that, um, like, I got to sort of move around with these people in my head in a way, I'm sure I would have got that with the sitting down reading experience, but there was something really nice about listening to it. I, I, I walked a lot while I was listening to it. And also, just because the work is often tied up in a lot of, um, you know, work that people do it felt really nice kind of um i don't know washing dishes while listening to it and doing laundry while listening to it because it just felt like that was part of the world i don't know yeah i totally agree and like in every because i walked a lot i mean i read this during lockdown so i read it over like a weekend of me just walking around wellington for seven hours or something um and and it was really cool because now I would associate a different landscape with a different part of the life of the book. And yeah, it felt really special. Yeah, it's it's a magnificent, I don't know, it's just magnificent. I really like it. And I also think one of the, um, like, for me, um, you know, I only speak English um, and that's embarrassing, but there was the odd name or place or something like that and to have that sort of spoken into my ear rather than trying to um you know um do my you know english centered way of trying to work out how nouns work and stuff like that i think that worked really well for me as well mm. like yeah being introduced to people in person i think was really cool um i have got this really I just realized how this question is fun but i don't know if you want to answer it but i'm just wondering what this book means to you as a writer like as a writer of fiction i just wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it yeah what it means to you um i don't know i think it's i'm on this i've been on this buzz of like um realizing that there are stories out there that i can specifically relate to as a not just as a writer but as a person and i think that that's really powerful and I've just been struck by that um through the period of lockdown like been trying to read a lot more Māori writing or Indigenous writing or queer writing and just absolutely seeing my own experience reflected back and I think that that's I just I love that and I had never really quite had that in the same way like you watch a movie and then you or you read a book and you change the pronouns or you like kind of I don't know make them all brown like <laughs> but I don't know in this book I just it was really special to be able to read something that did cover th like things I'd experienced specifically as a human and I didn't have to do any of that weird changing around and it kind of as a writer I guess um made me think shit I I need to do this <laughs> for other people like you know to put a particular experience into the world and and hope that some teenager somewhere is going to read it and feel like it relates to them. I don't know. I think it's, that's a very soppy answer, but I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I like, I really like that answer because I just think, um, yeah, I just think it's so true. And um, I, I, 
I think that this is of interest as well. You know, this idea that, um, you know, the act of writing is community building and the act of writing is sort of gift, you know, is something that I'm not sure we, we often think about, or maybe we do. Maybe I just don't think about it. (laughs) Like that's a fantastic way to put it. I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Like, you know, who are you writing for? And and who do you actually want to read your book? Like, I've become less interested in the idea that my book might, you know, win a man Booker prize or something. <laughs> but I've been way more invested in the idea that my grandchildren might read my book one day and that people who know me might read my book and that um, and that it's kind of a gift to a, a very small amount of, like, a very small number of people who I care about um, or whose experiences I care about. And I think that that's really special. And I'm, I don't know if that's, you know, what Evaristo had in mind, but it's definitely like, it does feel like a gift for, um, for like everyone, but also for particular communities. I think it's really special. Yeah. And like, this is the thing that I, I've been thinking about a lot recently is this idea that when we go particular, there's this odd effect where it seems to reach people sometimes you know sometimes you know like I I, um I've been thinking about this a lot since um the Wellington Writers Festival and a couple of amazing panels I saw um one with Anahita and Anahita Gilday but like you know because I but I do think there's this interesting effect when we go particular that it reaches people that are perhaps unexpectedly reached yeah and I don't know how that works and it makes me think that, you know, like I think um, sometimes people do have on their mind, you know, how to sell books or how to do this or how to do that. But there's that odd thing where sometimes going particular. Yeah, I was, I, how, now if you're ready for some soppy, I was um, talking to a friend this morning about this, um, Diane Comer, and um, she was talking about this idea that sometimes books make themselves um, available to you and, you're not even sure if you want to write them, but sometimes they're there, which I thought was kind of an interesting idea as well. Mm. And, you know, maybe that can affect, you know, maybe that, maybe it's okay to go with that, you know, even though it seems like a, um, a bad idea, maybe sometimes, I don't know, I'm still formulating that idea. <laughs> um, that's why I love, I know people laugh at this question, but I always love it when people ask writers where their ideas come from. I don't know. Where do yeah. your ideas come from? <laughs> Oh, I'm, I just plagiarized my life. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Into a lot of trouble. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Isn't it fun? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think, I don't know, I like, I think that the thing is that um, the fun part I find is just going, oh, that's what I think of that situation or, oh, that's what happened there or, yeah, I love, I love, um, yeah, because life confuses me so much. <laughs> I'm often like, oh, that's what happened there. That's really good. And I do think, I think that's kind of what I was talking to my friend about. You know, like I would love to write things that have no implications or consequences in the real world, but I haven't been able to do that yet. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I wondered if we could talk a little bit about your writing. And I wonder... Um, Like, I met you a few years ago, but I feel like you'd been writing before that, that we met. And I'm just wondering, 
do you remember when you started writing like is it a thing that you did as a kid or yeah like do you remember that yeah I think I always I always wanted to be a writer I thought that would be really glamorous so here we are um <laughs> but like I I I would always as a kid I used to play imaginary games a lot which I think is just another kind of fiction it's just more acted out and spoken than you know running around in fields than it is like writing it down um and I I feel like a lot of my childhood and a lot of my life was kind of spent in a bit of a fantasy um like imagining everything like wandering around my granddad's kind of house he lived in the country and being like I am Elizabeth Bennett and then making up stories um which is fun but I used to I, I remember I used to write my life story a lot when I was really young and I used to be like I was born in Gisborne and on the 5th of October and then go on from there um but I definitely I think I started properly writing stuff in high school I wrote quite a few um stories about like my family members and stuff which I liked um but I really only I thought that I would be a poet <laughs> um and then I only really started taking fiction or seeing like the value or potential of fiction when I was in your class at the IML um and that was very fun yeah I I always um I'm interested in people that um move from poetry to fiction because that was me as well like I always wanted to be a poet and I still think I do want to be a poet and you still write amazing poetry and um I still write poetry but I it's not amazing um and I just, what do you think is the value of fiction? Like, that's that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Like, yeah, um, what what do you think fiction can, this is terrible because it's, you know, enforcing a binary, which is ridiculous, but what do you think fiction can do that maybe poetry can't do? I think, maybe I'll, I'll maybe I'll flip the question, I don't know. So, with like the thing that I, I think about a lot is like, why do I still write poetry? I think that the thing I love about poetry is that you can capture an idea or a sensation. Um, you can kind of choose whether you want it to be a feeling or an experience or a memory or something like that. And you can contain that in a very short amount of space and you can kind of um, whittle it down to exactly what you want it to be and exactly the words that you want and you can kind of control the whole experience of someone reading it. Um, whereas I think fiction is exciting because you can then create like a whole expansive thing that is kind of less in your control and more um, like in a really pretentious way, like reveals itself to you or like, you know, a story unravels. And I think, um, I don't know, I think I've been thinking about this a lot and I think that story, and it kind of relates back to the girl, woman, other as well. I think that we don't often admit how much power an author has in telling a story or writing a novel. And I think that like telling narratives in that prosaic form is really, really powerful. And it puts you in a position to be able to not just like tell a story about some people, but to be able to transport ideas and concepts and beliefs behind that in a way that is kind of more sustained and allows the reader to connect a bit more than poetry, which can be hard for people to interpret sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that fiction is just um, 
an incredibly powerful vessel to get a message across. And I think if you have something to say, which I might, <laughs> then fiction is really, really helpful. I just, um, that's blown my mind a bit because I was just thinking, like, um, uh, I, I was thinking about this book, you know what I mean? Like, there's that, there's this way that it kind of got under my skin in a way that, you know, I was feeling something and then through feeling something, I think I was hearing ideas on an intellectual level and those two things were going together, which, which interests me, um, you know, like there are moments in this book that are pure polemic, you know, like there are moments in this book where someone does lay out very carefully um, a very polemic, is that the right word? You know, like a very clear political argument. And I was just thinking about, I'm thinking especially when they go to the um, women's only kind of um, community in the States, you know, like, and I just think there's something so interesting about the way this is what I think is one of the other geniuses about the book is that it can deliver both at once you know like it can deliver this emotional hit with um you know like you know like academic almost philosophical you know thought and I think it's really interesting experiencing that thought through you know it reminded me a little bit of the Argonauts in that way you know just this way that um yeah like I'm sort of um, yeah, I'm almost like opened up emotionally and then that stuff sort of is, is delivered in a way that m makes it possible for me to see it in a way that I haven't been able to see it before. Yes. Okay, because yes, I, while you was talking, I was thinking like, how did she manage to be so blatantly, obviously, honestly political and yet not be didactic? I don't think that the book is didactic. I think the book lets you think whatever you want, um, which is potentially why a lot of people can connect with it or relate to it. But I think you're totally right about the emotional stuff, opening a reader up to be able to, I guess, handle or to follow those um, political academic ideas. And the, there are a lot, of, a lot of discussions about racism, a lot of discussions about feminism that are like just blatantly, like this is what I think, especially with the young, like university age student who I loved, I loved her. <laughs> yes, oh, and she kind of like goes off on a rant about her mum's generation and how they like ruined the country and ruined things for young black feminists like her. And it's just, it's so interesting because you don't ever really fully, I guess you don't, you kind of find yourself somewhere in some of the characters and then you find yourself in other places with other characters, but you never really fully, I don't think, completely agree with another person's version of reality, which is what the book is. It's like all these versions of the truth or I don't know, but you, but you do connect with all of them. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so true. And I hadn't thought about it. It's, it's so like that, isn't it? Like I was looking at it from the other point of view, which is, um, you know, like, um, you know, I've been, I've been taught for years that um, story is conflict and conflict, conflict. And yet in here, like I just found myself, shifting side you know like because there wasn't sort of people coming at each other so that it was straightforward conflict it was so interesting like I just found myself there was so much in there you know like just um especially a lot and I think this is probably my own baggage rather than the book but especially the stuff around um you know like um 
you know, like the introduction of perhaps, um, you know, white families into African families and stuff like that. And like this, this sort of loss of um, something that, um, and, and I was really surprised because I sort of, it's, it was this, it sort of hoodwinked, like it took me by surprise, those arguments, and they hit very hard, sort of just, I guess, based on my stuff. And I was really surprised at the way um, I loved the character who was voicing them. And it was just this amazing thing where I don't think I could have listened to that kind of yeah, I don't think I could have listened to that if it had been, if someone had come at me at a party. It's really weird. It's such an interesting experience. Like, it's such an interesting experience reading the book. Like, yeah. And, and I think that's the other thing I think so great about it is that it, it, um, it feels simpler than what it's doing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's easy. You know, it, it feels nice to read, you know. And I guess that's the other thing that we didn't, you know, like, um, I didn't, I, I have read some of it on the page now, but um, I didn't realize that it was in this amazing form on the page as well. You know, like, I mean, and that's kind of interesting, eh? Yeah, totally. I, I got a, um, I've recommended it to everyone I know. <laughs> and so I got a message from one of my friends and she was like, oh, isn't just the, I love the um, weird punctuation stuff that's going on in this book. And I just was like, I asked her to send a photo of it to me because I had read it as an audiobook and it flows just so well when it's spoken um I think that it's just it's just incredibly easy to listen to um but yeah I would love to read I think the next step is to read it again but written because there is all this really incredible different stuff going on in the structure of the sentences which I think would be great and I do I do wonder I I heard um um I heard Bernadine Everesto um call it a pro poetic form and I was thinking maybe it's maybe it's specially made for um people like you and me who um like poetry and write fiction <laughs> I don't know like yeah it, and I was amazed when I saw it on the page because it was it you know like in that way that like when experimentation is um extremely urgent you know what I mean like it it felt like there's no other way this book could have been written mm -hmm. and the white space and the lack of punctuation and the addition of punctuation yeah it's just it's absolutely amazing it's absolutely amazing um so we've sort of looked at how you started writing and I'm just wondering this I mean I always scared to ask this question because it feels like an existential crisis and it's always me asking because I'm like why do I keep writing but why do you think you keep writing like what is it that keeps you going like is there a deep urge or is it an outside thing or yeah I think I always think about that question oh I can't remember who asked this question but there, someone asked me a question once and they were like, if you were alone on a desert island, would you keep writing? They asked it to our master's class when I did the MA and, um, and most people were like, no, why would I? And then a few of us were like, yeah, of course. Like we don't write to be read anyway. You know, you just kind of keep doing it. And I think like I've tried to quit writing so many times. It's an addiction <laughs> um, and it's bad. Um, but I just keep, you know, needing to, I guess, get my thoughts out of my head and make them into something um and I think I'd probably just I just keep writing because at the moment I feel like there's a story that I've been trying to tell but failing to tell for the past four years and or maybe all of life and so I'm just kind of like interested in I guess just spurred on to finally get 
that written down and to kind of be more understood I guess by other people like I would love I would love even if it didn't get published I'd love to just write a book for people who know me and then have them read it and then um and then talk about it I think it's it's just yeah a communication thing because I am really bad at communicating so I just write instead oh I can relate to that (laughs) yeah I really I really um yeah I was thinking that the other day like you can't get out of your own experience, but yeah, there are there are times where I think, oh, I wish I'd just kept this in the house. You know what I mean? Like I wish I'd just <laughs> let myself write for me, and then you know. But then you know, I I maybe I wouldn't think that if I hadn't had all the luck that I've had. You know, like maybe if my work hadn't been published, I'd be thinking, oh, if only I could get published. I I'm quite discontent with life, so that's probably very likely. <laughs> Um, I'm just wondering, uh, this is a weird question as well. I wrote some weird questions here, but uh, the questions that I've been thinking about and I was, um, I was wondering about if there are any questions you ask your writing, like, um, are you wanting it? Do you know what I mean? Like, are there any questions that you sort of ask of your writing before you might show it to someone or submit it for publication or something like that? Um, I think those kind of, I'm not really sure. I think those kind of questions are probably just um, leftover MA supervisor comments. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right, like, have I fully committed to the story? Like, is, why am I telling it? What's it actually about kind of thing? And I often, sometimes I don't even get an answer to that, so then I won't send it away. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm interested. I think I'm more interested, and maybe this is why I love this book so much again it's like I think I'm more interested in knowing who the people are and who the characters are and what they want um I think what what does this person want is like one of the main questions I'd ask if I got stuck um because it's just kind of good fuel to know what they want but not give it to them as a like a character I think that's really cool um I just guess yeah I guess I just want to get to know these people that I'm making up and that's the main kind of driver for writing yeah oh my gosh I feel like that's me as well like I I often sort of say that um yeah I think I think I think often I start with a thing that someone's done that confuses me you know like and I'm often trying to you know work out because I sort of have this stupid naive um probably because of the privilege I've experienced in my life but I have this idea that I'm not sure people ever do anything to be bad or to be mean like I often feel like even you do you no I've had that thought I mean I I had that thought very recently I I just occurred to me that some people might like lie on purpose and I was like that's ridiculous like why would somebody lie like I've never lied on purpose I can't remember lying for a bad reason and then it just kind of sent me in the spiral of like but why would somebody ever do something bad and so I think I'm very like naively trusting and I, and I think the best of everyone, including my characters. So it's like, um, I find it interesting to try and push myself into not understanding them or having them do bad things. Quite fun. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of my, um, I think when I look back on some of my earlier short stories and, and especially some of the stuff I'm writing now, it's often I, I make someone do something horrible and then find, try to find a good motive, you know, like try to find something deep inside that would make sense, you know, doesn't make it just a goodies and baddies thing. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, I don't know. I, I it's probably, I love that idea of, um, 
like also um you know being patient and kind with the characters as well because i think that that is i think that's an interesting way to be like i don't know many people that write who hate the characters that they're writing don't know can't think of anyone but yeah maybe people do i don't know and yeah that yeah it's so strange the world is so strange um i was wondering um if you could talk a little bit you write magnificent essays beautiful poetry magnificent fiction magnificent poetry everything you know it seems like there's not much you can't do um and i'm just wondering like I think you already explained it in that idea that poetry is sort of like one of those, you know, a, a feeling or an experience and it's kind of contained. But I'm wondering, particularly about the nonfiction stuff, like, do you enjoy writing essays or is it something that you feel like you like want to do to give back to the communities that you're in? Or yeah, do you have a thought on that? Yeah, I think I was always quite averse to writing essays because I just like to be a bit stingy with the information I put out about my life um I like to write fiction because it's like a veil of something um but I really enjoy I've really enjoyed writing essays recently I think because I I guess I like conversation a lot like conversation is one of my favorite things and so I like to try and figure things out in this kind of conversational way I guess and I guess I would like to write more essays um to kind of think clearly, like to, to conceptualize things and bring in, and also because I'm a massive nerd. So I love to read, like, I love to read essays about things and I love um, to read research papers and theses and stuff like that. So, um, and everything I learn is like kind of fascinating to me. So I'd like to write more personal essays, but I think like writing essays is a bit, I guess when I started writing, I was quite young, I'm still very young, but I kind of thought, oh, I don't really have any interesting perspective on the world and I don't have anything interesting to add because I'm young or whatever. And so um, I guess in like writing essays now, it's kind of like me realizing that my experience of the world might be completely different from another person's and my perspective might be so different and that, that someone could learn something from that. Um, which is really cool. And I think just, yeah, being more generous with my experiences and my memories and the things that I am thinking about is why I like writing essays. <laughs> yeah, and they are, I mean, um, this is the thing, eh? Like, I, I just feel like, again, um, that thing you were talking about before, like that idea of getting enough different experience out there, especially I think in nonfiction, like I think that, yeah, I don't know, that's why I'm so excited about like recent years in Pentagraph Punch. Like I just think, you know, getting as much experience out there as possible, whether it's, um, especially an essay for some reason, I don't even know why I'm saying that, but I just feel like it, um, it is just, it, it's just so, helpful I think I don't know I don't know yeah. I think and also like I mean not to name drop but <laughs> I think also like Tay <laughs> um is like her essays really kind of expanded my idea of what the tone of an essay could be like and what um and the fact that you know I've been through 
16 or 17 years of education and that I thought that you had to remove the I from every essay you ever wrote and that um and now I work in research so it's very a different <laughs> style um but I think Tay's essays in particular are so like conversational and they're so honest and they're so generous with her experiences and um and she you know would use like slang and stuff in her essays too so I thought that I don't know there was something about reading Tay's essays um, that really made me think, well, like you can do something so different and you can actually put your personality into um, an essay, which I found really, really cool. And there's something, um, like the thing that I, I love about Tay's essays and yours and a lot of, uh, you know, that, but I think I first noticed it in that um, one that Tay wrote about um, Skuck's um, is that right? Yes. Um, and <laughs> I, I sound like an old lady. Am I saying that correctly? I, I am an old lady. Um, but I just think there's a, there's rigor in that way of essay writing as well. Like that's the thing is that for a while I thought that's the creative part of creative nonfiction, but I really feel like that, um, that truth to voice and truth to experience, I feel like there's a degree of rigor in a way that we might normally say is because you've taken out the eye and because we've um you know quoted everybody and and you know put a series of references at the end and i just think yeah it's it's really exciting for me because i feel like and i'm just i was just thinking about Issa's um essay that was on verb the verb yeah. website as well and like i just feel like it, it it excites me at the moment actually like i feel like um to, to see people that are that write poetry and also write essay or write fiction and also write essay that really excites me because mm. I think for a while there was this idea that you're stuck to your lane like mm. you know which I think is really interesting it, you yeah. know I, I think it's exciting and I and I think the idea of like you know I'm gonna set out my argument and I'm gonna use this reference and this reference to you know which is more like, I guess, journalism than creative nonfiction. But I think that was my perception of what an essay was. And it's, it's, that's not the case. And it's really exciting that you can just like break every form that exists and do whatever you want. <laughs> and like, there's, I, I don't know, like I have this intense, um, oh, this is going to make me sound like I wear a tinfoil hat around the house, but I have this intense um, suspicion of an argument that is set in that um, in that order. Like I don't know why. I just feel like I feel like this is the patriarchy and colonization, and you know, I just feel like this is this is coming from inside a system that I don't um, that I feel like has lied to me all my life, and you know, like what well, I don't know. I'm suspicious of it, and I think that's why I get excited and feel that rigor you know like that academic well not academic rigor it's something else but it is a rigor towards you know not a, not a capital t truth but to a different kind of truth I, I, I don't know i think it's really interesting i love it i love it i'm so excited like i was i just like your essays are just so great um do you mind if we talk just finish up maybe by just talking a little bit about the oh, i never know how to call it but it feels to me like support for other writers around you um, I'm thinking particularly about the Ehu Matou um, journal but also maybe a little bit with the other journals that you're doing at the moment I'm just wondering like 
that to me feels like a really creative act and like an act that feeds um, your your fiction work. And I'm just wondering, like, how does that figure, like, I hate that word creative practice, but how does that figure in your being a writer? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, I just have this desire for there not to be any gatekeepers or elitism I just have a desire for everyone to be let in and and particularly like because I've had some really amazing mentors in my life I really just want to do the same thing for other people um I don't know I love creating platforms for other people to put their work in and I think because I'm like really organized and for some reason can do like spreadsheets and stuff like that I'm like well this you know, at the moment, that's my role. That's how I see, you know, myself fitting in is like to give other people space. Um, and I get really excited about that. I don't think, I don't think I want to take up space. I think I want to quietly write um, alone and potentially show things to the world, but potentially not. But I am more interested in fostering other people um, to do that. And that, that makes me sound like too altruistic. But like, I just, I love being able to get passionate about someone else's work and um, their words and the way their brain works. And I love to be able to then like give them an audience. It's really exciting. And it just kind of, it's, it's the thing that I'm most excited about at the moment. Um, and while like I am getting more into my own writing again, it's been nice to have a break from writing and to just do something different. Yeah. That, that idea of space is so interesting, eh? Because I feel like there is just that weird thing that, you know, that idea of, um, I don't know, there's something weird about space building space. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, it feels like if you give space for something, there's more space for our own work or something. Or maybe it doesn't even need to be that. Now I'm being unaltruistic. Um, but yeah, I do think... I think that's so true. I think that, um, I think I wrote, read an essay about that recently. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> it was like an, this, yeah, this idea, maybe it was in The Gift. Oh, not The Gift. What was that book? Mm. There's a book, I think it's called The Gift. And it's about how if you give everything that you have to other people, then you'll get even more back. Like if you just kind of give, and I, I mean, that's biblical as well. That's, mm probably in the Bible somewhere. Um, but like, yeah, I like the idea that you can just give everything that you've got away and then somehow you end up on a different track, but kind of creating more interesting stuff. I yeah. Know. I just, I just feel more and more that, um, yeah, I love what you, I don't know. Like I, I sort of have been desperately trying to find words for it and I can never, I, I just can't find words for it, but I do wonder about that word conversation. Like I do wonder about, and that brings us back beautifully to girl, woman, other, you know, just this idea that um, it, it feels like as communities build, these interesting conversations take place in between um, the work mm -hmm. and I think that that there's something about that that's building more space or something or m making room yeah. or I don't know. Yeah. So once, Anita, um, once like explained 
I mean, it was just in a passing conversation. So we were doing a, a digital wananga for their new journal, which I don't know if it's going to be published or not, but it was really fun. Um, but she just said, you know, the word wananga um, means to create knowledge. And that's what we want to do. Like she, they brought us together for a um, workshop and we like did some writing and did some swimming and just hung out. But the whole kind of concept of that word wananga, which is also kind of conversation, I guess, is to create knowledge and to create new knowledge and that that happens through talking to each other and that that, um, and that's, yeah, I think that's why I love this book so much is because they're all just talking to each other and they're all just like relating to each other, um, like through blood or just through being in the same world. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's a remarkable book. And I've enjoyed talking to you about it. And yet again, I'm grateful. You often give me my best recommendations. Um, you're, <laughs> you're often someone I go to and want to know what you're reading. What are you reading? What are you reading? But yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast, um, Sinead. Um, it is blooming great um, Yeah, having you. And thank you so much. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, whoops.